Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. You know, I'm glad that um, my life and the rock of my salvation is Jesus. Not the rock of my salvation is Corey. We would all be disappointed in a big way. I appreciate your courteous silence there. (laughs) I was out walking this morning, and look, I know it snowed Canadians. I get it. But I was walking this morning, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be washed as white as snow. There's something that the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit can do is that he just covers you and he covers your sin and and your life is not about your flaws. It's about who he is and his strength and his strength is made perfect in your weakness. And I think we sort of get this mixed around. We think that his strength is made perfect in our strength. But the reality of it is, is his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And Paul the Apostle says, I glory in my weakness because in my weakness I see the strength of God. I, uh, I have a, a series coming up called uh, Ghost Stories. Now, next uh, week, I'm going to show you a video of a friend of mine who's coming to preach out the Church in the Wild series. And Patience, I'll show you the video in a second. Just give me a second. I'm going to do a series after that in two weeks' time called Ghost Stories. We kinda, I love the, the way we brand things. It's super interesting. Coming up to Halloween and ghost stories. Let's talk about the Holy Ghost. Let's talk about the Holy Ghost of the living God. You know, it's funny when uh, when I was young, we all want connection with God and we all want connection with each other, but you need a helper to help you get that connection. And Jesus said, when I go, see, there's the Father and the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit. When I go, I'm going to leave you um, mom of the Trinity. And we say he because it's just tradition that we call the Holy Spirit a he. But really the Holy Spirit is like mom. And my mom uh, used to coach me in how to talk to my dad. And she said, you have to come to dad on dad's terms if you want connection with dad. Which means don't interrupt him in the middle of a project because he's working on something. But in a half an hour, if you say to him, hey, when you have a minute, can you come? Then he'll be all yours. Because then he'll work on your project until it's done. Somebody see where this is going? Then the project that you came in here worrying about, then he'll work on your project until it's done. Ghost stories. How does the Holy Spirit, and how do we interact with the Holy Spirit in our lives today? Then we're going to do a series in November called At the Movies. There may be popcorn and soda pop. And that's going to be amazing. That's going to be our November series. We're going to go all out for it. I'm going to be preaching in and out of like movie clips and popular culture. And I think that the, the average person who doesn't attend church thinks that there's nothing in church that has anything to do with my life, but they're wrong. No, no, there, there is the gospel message. We just have to preach it in a way that makes sense to culture, but the human need has never changed. And that's going to be an incredible series that I want you to come to and I want you to get into. That's going to be, and, and arrange a date for somebody with Jesus. You can go to the movies with them feeling it come to church with me we're doing this thing at the movies it's not like church it's different just come on a date with jesus just one time that's all that we need and we know that you'll be back can i hear an amen next week a friend of mine pradeep and who i ran into at conference last week uh and i have this video for you he just wanted to say hi to venue and uh, get you back to church next week 
Hey Venue Church, my name is Pradeep Njeeva Manohar in Sivaratnam. You can call me Pradeep Njeeva for short. And I'm so excited to be in Canada and at Venue Church and meet all of you. It's going to be awesome to finally meet Pastor Corey in person. And so I'll see you there, alright? God bless you. Oh, what? <laughs> I thought that you would like that. Is that kind of a little bit funny? He's like, I'm supposed to shoot a video because Renee sent me a thing and I'm supposed to shoot a video. And I'm like, let's shoot a video right now. And so we got it. I'm so glad you're here for our Church in the Wild series. We've been asking the question, who is church for, really? Because everybody thinks it's for a certain reason, but maybe Jesus does too. Can I get the house lights up? Just a, just a uh, hair more, guys. Everybody thinks the church is here for a reason, but maybe Jesus also thinks that it's here for a reason. I've entitled this sermon, I've been talking about animals and, and sheep. I've entitled this sermon, Why Not Tigers? Just give it a second. Why Not uh, Tigers? Here's something I want you to take home today. Your projection of self might not be accurate or even taken seriously. Your projection of self, who you project yourself to be at school, might not be accurate. And if it's not accurate, we still sort of insist that it's taken seriously. Have you ever projected yourself as somebody different than you are at work? Oh, has anybody um, fudged a resume a little bit? Oh, I've done loads. Come on, nobody's done this. It's okay, we're in church. The lights are down. It's okay. Just you and Jesus here and everybody sitting around you. Oh, I've done loads of these. I've done 15 of them. You've done four. This projection of yourself. And yet, here's the thing. When, when I'm with a group of people, I feel this need to project myself or the, maybe the self that I want to be or the self that I think that you want me to be. I try to project myself to you and then I kind of sort of demand that you accept my projection of myself. But my projection of myself and your projection of yourself at school, your projection of yourself even in your own home, it might not be accurate. And it might be hard to take seriously. Your projection of yourself. I see that I'm kind of missing the mark here a little. So I'm going to give you an exercise that um, I think that my aunt, I think Aunt Sharon, mom, I'm looking at my mom. I should have checked this out ahead of time. Somebody did this whole, um, here's what I, what I want to ask you this morning. And this can be interactive a little bit too. So help me preach this a little bit. Um, so what's your favorite animal? If you know the punchline, do not wreck it for everybody else. Don't be Pastor Aaron and tell me what the last line of the movie is. Oh, so-and-so did it. I'm like, so-and-so is not even in the movie right now. Oh, my goodness. So if you know the punchline, don't say it. What's your favorite animal? Dog. Horse. 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 Did somebody say an ox? I don't feel like I heard that right. Hawk, maybe? Ox. I like oxes. Okay, so think about this. Think about this. What's your favorite animal? And then this is what we're going to do. What's your favorite animal? And, and tell yourself three reasons why you like that animal. What are your favorite things about your favorite animal? Animal. Just, just think about it right now. Your favorite animal. What are, what are three things? So turn to your neighbor and say, my favorite animal is a... Go ahead. My favorite animal is a... All right. Now say, my favorite animal to your second choice neighbor is a... Say, I love you too. It's okay. I just turned the other way first. It's... I still love you. My favorite animal is... A... Now think about it. What are your three favorite things about that animal? What are the things that you like about that, that animal? My wife, um, when we did this, I think my Auntie Sharon kind of did this with us when we were kind of newly married, I feel like. And my, my wife's favorite animal is a, a golden retriever. I think that's right. 
honey. A golden retriever is her favorite animal. And the three reasons why were, let me get this right here, because they're loyal, because they're easy to train, and because they're good with kids. They're loyal, they're easy to train, and they're good with kids. Why do you like horses? Or why, why is my favorite animal is, is a tiger? Well, why do I, come on, tigers. <laughs> I love tigers. I have a tattoo of a tiger. Why do I like tigers? I think that my answers were something along the lines of this. I like, uh, like their focus. There's this, this powerful, intense focus about them. And their poise. I'm thinking like Swiss Family Robinson. You remember the original Swiss Family Robinson? That tiger is just like backing into the... And then, and then I think the third thing was, and you don't know they're on you until it's too late. That's my three favorite things. Now think about your favorite animal and your... This is a super fun to do with kids too. Think about your... I think they're doing this with the kids right now. Think about your animal and your three favorite reasons why. Now here's, here's how this went. I think that it was like an old folk legend or something, but the, it went like this, that as soon as you said the three favorite things about your three favorite animals, that the whole idea was those are your three favorite things about you. So does anybody know Pastor Aaron? Loyal? Easy to train? Uh, oh, so much. And if, if you have treats, oh, there you go. I'm easy to train with treats, too. Loyal, easy to train, and good with kids. And I would always say, and likes being scratched behind her ears because she kind of does, too. It's uncanny, really. So for a tiger, for me, that's, you know, decently accurate. You know, there's this focus about me, and there's this thing like, I can move real fast, and you don't know it until it's too late, and I'm all over it. <laughs> it's, it's a little alarming until you hear my brother's. My brother's was a shark. <laughs> Let me see if I can get this right here. My brother's was a shark because all I can remember is something about a bloodbath and feeding frenzy or something. I'm like, whoa. Somebody failed raising that kid. I, <laughs> Dad, I tried to discipline him as best as I could. But he wasn't overly receptive, I'm not going to lie. My little brother, I make fun of him sometimes. Maybe you haven't figured out. I, I love my little brother. I'd do anything for him. But the three favorite things about yourself. Now, the interesting part is that, that I mean, was anybody's favorite animal like a fainting goat? Fainting goats are my favorite animal, but it's not like my favorite, favorite animal. I just find, I mean, nobody's like, my favorite animal is a fainting goat because, you know, A, they're at the bottom of the food chain. You know, B, they panic and look like idiots. And three, they're, you know, easily eaten or, or something. It's funny that, that if, if that exercise holds true and it's actually accurate of you, um, I think I remember Sean Gibson's. He didn't know this was coming because he's an introvert. You can't tell introverts that you're going to say something from stage or they just won't show up. But he doesn't know, and now he can't leave because, well, he's an introvert. So I think Sean was cheetah, am I right? Because they're um, fast and sexy. That's a lot, Sean. That's a lot to say of yourself. <laughs> funny though that your life and your relationships and even yourself at work you, you don't see the things uh, the way that they are 
This is the, the, the disconnect. You see the th- things the way that you are. And when I'm trying to put this impression of myself out there, I'm really like, the things that I came up with tiger were not the things that you would come up with fainting goats or the weaknesses of a tiger. I just gave you the strengths. So I, I, as I move out there, as, as if you meet me, I don't want the first thing out of my mouth to be like, I'm prone to worry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I get easily frightened. Um, I panic and do stupid stuff. I, I fear rejection. I, all of these things are also a part of our life, but that's not what I want to project to you. That's not what I want to project out there. That's not what I want to project in my high school. Oh my goodness, you want to talk about a feeding frenzy. Don't project weakness anywhere or vulnerability anywhere. And yet, um, a man named Craig Rochelle said, you, you might impress people with your strength, but you connect through weakness. Now, you come into the house of God, or maybe this is your first time in church. You come to the house of God, you're going to find that like left is right and up is down. And so what the world values, the kingdom of God doesn't necessarily value. And, and the kingdom of God, the argument of Jesus would be, my father made you and knows how you're actually supposed to function. We created Venue Church to do just two things, connect you with God and to connect you with people. Well, if it's true then that connection happens in weakness, we're wasting a lot of time projecting strength. Projecting strength. How I see me. How I need you to see me. Now, it's good that you're strong in some things. Your family needs you to. It's good your job needs you to. Your, people need, your friends need you to be strong in some things. But I don't really connect with you in my strength. I might impress you with it, but I don't really connect with you. I connect with you in my weakness, in my vulnerability. In, in weakness, we connect. And Paul the Apostle says, in, in your weakness, God's strength is actually made perfect. Well, how does that work? That doesn't work in the world. No, it doesn't work, but it does work in the kingdom of God. And it's how you were designed to connect. Now, the Bible, I titled this sermon, Why Not Tigers? Because um, the Bible, I know you want to be a tiger out there. I want to be a tiger. I want you to see me as somebody who can do something. But the Bible, more often than not, describes you as a sheep. And that's depressing. <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen a sheep? I used to think like God wants calls us sheep because they're you know soft and cuddly. I was a shepherd for a week one time when I was young. I was maybe 18 years old, and I worked on a farm, but I didn't really do a lot of farm work because um, it's gross. I was there the day that they I can't even say it. They took the chickens from being like chickens to being food that day, and I was there for five minutes, and I'm just like. Oh my goodness, farmers. How do you do this? I'm just going to go to the grocery store. <laughs> the, um, the, the sheep, they had a bunch of sheep. They had 40, 50 sheep. And so I was in charge of letting the sheep to go, out to, to, go to the field to feed. And so, see, here's the thing about, about sheep. If, you, if they know the shepherd, everything kind of works smoothly. And so, so the shepherd, it was really the, the wife, the, the farmer's wife there, she would just open the gate, and they all knew what to do. They would, she would open the gate. I tell the story like at least once a year because I think it's hilarious. She would open the gate, and they would all go out a few hundred yards away to the field, and then she would just stand back at the house and holler, and they would all come back. They all just look up. Oh, it's time to go back. Lunch is over. 
And they would all go back. So I'm like, this doesn't look that hard. And so for a week, they went away on vacation. I had to, was in charge of, I was the shepherd. I was in charge of the sheep. So the first day, I go in, I open the gate, and I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, one sheep looks at me like, who this guy? And I just go back to doing whatever they're doing. I'm like, it worked for her. What's going on? So I... I went into the pen and I started like, stupid sheep, smack. And I was like, every time I touch an animal, I have to like hand sanitize. Anybody else? It's like, ugh, animals. I don't know where this stuff has been. Germs. So I kind of get these sheep out of the pen and I get them out and they all go stand right outside the gate and just stand there and look at me like, why are we here? We were okay in there. Why are we here now? I'm like, it's lunchtime. It's the same time. Have you ever yelled at something that can't yell back? The Walmart self-checkout? There's no point in yelling, ladies. It not, it's not a human. It doesn't get it. Just keep scanning. And so I'm yelling at these sheep, and they're just like, we don't know who you What do you want us to do? You know, and I'm just trying to, like, come on, stupid sheep. Get out of here. And so I've, they finally, like, one of them finally, it's funny about sheep. Like, when one goes, then the others seem to follow. And so one goes, and then they all like, oh, right, it's lunchtime. We do this every day. <laughs> so they walk out. They're out there for an hour, and I, I, I stand in the same place as the shepherd stood, and I holler. Nobody look at me. Nobody care. I start walking out there. I'm hollering the whole way. I'm like, stupid sheep. <laughs> I walk all the way through the sheep, and now there's like 40 or 50, and they're all spread out. And I'm like, I, they don't care who I am. They don't seem to get the lunch is over because the buffet is still open. And so they just, I don't know. So I start trying to herd him in there. And then the farm dog comes along. And the, the farm dog, I'm like, maybe it's a sheep dog. It wasn't. I'm like, maybe. Tippy. Every farm dog's name was Tippy. Tippy, come on, come on, Tippy. Tippy was like mixed with like 14 different types of dog and a whole lot of stupid. <laughs> Tippy was not an intelligent. We used to have like a black lab smart dog. This dog was not smart dog. And this dog starts barking and runs right through the middle of the sheep. And 50 sheep go boom. And I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, all the sheep are going to die. And then one sheep decides it needs to go through the barbed wire fence. And 50 sheep follow as fast as their stupid little legs can go. F fast and sexy? No. Fast and stupid, everybody. And in that moment, I remember standing in the field thinking to myself, God calls us sheep? It's not because we're cute and cuddly. It's because we're fast and stupid. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Here's uh, some things about, about sheep that you need to know. Because if you, I think God's favorite animals are sheep. Not because they describe who he is, but because he loves you. And he knows everything about you. And if he decides to call you sheep, David said, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David got it, because David was a shepherd. But David was also sheep. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he describes what a shepherd does to his sheep. David understood it, and David became king of Israel, and yet he always knew that this was what he was really like, what he was really called to be. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a sheep, unless you think you're a tiger. <laughs> then there's something wrong. Sheep. Sheep are social. They're designed to be highly agitated if they lose visual contact with other sheep. Huh. It's 
true of you. The Bible says, uh, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. You were designed to be eyeball to eyeball with people. You get agitated when you're not. When you stop going to church, you stop going to small group, you stop going to work, you stop meeting with your friends, you start getting highly agitated because you were designed to be social. Highly, we would try to get youth group. You we were trying to get youth group to get friends who are good friends. Eyeball to eyeball. I love venue youth. If we can get them at that age, we can save a lot of time. And two kids gave their life to Christ last Wednesday, by the way. Brand new to the youth. Oh, my goodness. You're meant to do life. Okay, here's another one. Flight. Did you know that, humans, you are actually a flight animal? We think that we're at the top of the food chain, but we're not really. A prey animal. Our natural instinct is to run. You might fight or flight, but eventually it's kind of flight. They will eventually reform the group and band together for protection. Why do kids huddle in the hallways at school? They're banding together for protection. Here's something interesting about a sheep's eyesight. They have this massive, like from 190 degrees to over 300 degrees, they can see all around them. But the funny thing is, their eyesight, the ability to see danger, depends on how well the shepherd has sheared them right here. This is so good. Depending on how well you've been disciplined, will tell you how well you can see danger coming. Kids, are you listening? How well you let your mom and dad discipline you is how well you can see the danger coming. But because of the way that their eyes are, their depth perception is terrible. And they're scared to go, you ready, venue church, where they can't see. And sheep tracks as the, you watch a sheep who's not following a shepherd, their tracks go like this all over the place, back and forth and back and forth because they're constantly, watch this, checking their six o'clock to see if anything from their past is going to catch them. If any predators are behind them, if they're not following. Super interesting. Is this not blowing your mind? Sheep. It's okay, as long as you don't think you're a tiger. They have a high pain tolerance. If they show fear, it is like blood in the water. Just because you have a high pain tolerance doesn't mean that you shouldn't be vulnerable. So what we do is we hide our pain so that we mask it. And, and small groups is a place where we're like, just start taking the mask off. It's okay. That's all, we're all working on that. We just want it to be a place that's safe. Like what happens in small groups stays in Vegas. No. What happens in small groups stays in small groups. We want it to be a safe place where you can be like, here's what's really going on. You can quit masking the pain now. You can quit the facade. It's good. We know. We know. So here's what's really going on in my life. Can anybody help me? Here's something I find super interesting. Uh, eating. Their, their appetite denotes health with sheep. I can tell how healthy a Christian is by how hungry they are spiritually. I can tell. If you're sick, you're not eating. You're not eating the scriptures. You're not praying. You're not going to church. You're not going to small group. You're not voraciously hungry for the word of God. You're, you're not hungry for that connection with God and people. And I can tell, as soon as you stop eating, I can tell that you're sick. But if you're in where you need to be, you'll be healthy. You'll be devouring everything of God and people that you can get. Here's the most interesting thing. There's this thing called flocking, 
When one sheep decides to go somewhere, the rest of the flock usually follows. You're like, that's not like me. Hollywood? Why are we emulating movie stars' lifestyles? Their marriages aren't together. You feeling me? Oh yeah, we do the same thing. We just follow whoever's the next hot thing out there who may not be the hot thing for very long. But that's what we do, whether their lives are worth following or not. Here's what happened in 2006 in Turkey. Um, there was 1,500 sheep. One sheep decided that it would try to cross a ravine that was 15 meters deep, 50 feet. One sheep decided that, hey, I can make it. And it didn't. 1,500 other sheep followed. The first 400 died. And the next 1,100 landed on pillows. <laughs> if you don't understand that about yourself, it's going to be really hard to connect with God. Because you're going to be trying to present yourself as if you're a tiger when he's like, it's okay, just be a good sheep. There's nothing wrong with being a sheep. I created you to be a sheep. Just be a good sheep. In Luke chapter 15, see, sheep were designed to follow. Sheep were designed to follow. You, as a human, were designed to follow. I was designed by God to follow. Here's a story. I'm going to read through the prodigal story. I'm not going to hit it the way that I would normally preach about the prodigal son. If you've never been to church, it's about a son who left his father's house. But it says here that this story actually happened right after the story that we started our whole sermon series on about the 99 sheep and Jesus going to the wilderness to find the lost one. Now there might be, that might be you. You might be like, I'm here at church for the first time and it's been a long time and I feel like I'm the lost one today. And the heart of Jesus to find you is incredible. It's like losing a kid at the mall. He just goes berserk until you're home. And we go berserk until you're home too. It says to illustrate this point further, that story further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons or two sheep. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. His father agreed. He's like, basically, Dad, you're not dying fast enough. That's basically what he said. Watch how easily he wanders from his father's house. He goes off, and you know the story. I'm not going to go through the whole story, because the, this story is not really about the younger son. I think that today I want the story to be about the older son a little more. The younger son goes and does what maybe you did with your life. He goes in search of pleasure and finds a pig pen. Because pleasure comes from God in the end. And it's not to be found by you or created by you. It was created by God to be given to you, to be given to those who please him. And he searches, he spends, he wastes it all on riotous living. He goes and he spends his money doing who knows what and having who knows what done to him. And he ends up in a pig pen. And it says, when he finally came to his senses, have you ever done that? Maybe today is that day for you. But when you finally came to your senses about why your marriage is broken and it's you. No, somebody else. When you finally came to your senses and realized you're the problem employee. When you finally came to your senses and realized I'm a sheep, actually. I don't have to be a tiger anymore. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. They don't just have enough for themselves. They have something for somebody else. That's what God wants for you. Food enough and to share. And food enough and to share. That was just in my heart this week. And here I am dying of hunger. 
Remember now, he's hungry. He's unhealthy. Verse 20 says, so he returned home to his father. He left as a tiger out to take the world by storm. And he returns, though, as a lamb. Watch the reception of God towards lambs. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. His son said to him, he had this long thing rehearsed. He said, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, his father doesn't even really hear him. He's just like. And then he says to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. This is the party that if you come into church and maybe you're used to, to, there's lots of great churches and I'm not, but like venue, we need to, it to look like a party because every week somebody comes home. And so it was like the party began. I think sometimes we're afraid to have a party at church because we're too busy being holy or we're too busy being the wise owl. <laughs> you know, we're just too busy not being sheep. And celebrating when people come back to God. Celebrating when a heart comes back. Celebrating when a person who hasn't been to church in a while comes to church. Celebrating somebody who comes and gets their sins forgiven. And comes and lays their life down on the altar. In verse 28 it says, The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. Some of the servants, his brother's out working. Because that's what, that's what older brothers do. I think that this is significant of two kinds of sheep. One goes away and tries to find it in the world. One stays actually in church and misses the point. He's out working in the field and his servants come and say, he's like, what's that noise? It's a party. Why? Your brother came home. Watch his reaction. Venue church, watch his reaction. This reaction can never be our reaction when a son comes home, when a daughter comes home. It can never, not for one second, be our reaction. Well, you come home and now he's sitting in your chair. You get to church and now they're sitting in my chair. Your chair, if that's a problem, we'll take all the chairs out. If we can get more bodies in here. Your chair. You get a chair in heaven. You worry about it. We gotta stand over here. We gotta get early. I mean I'm getting all fired up. I'm not a tiger, I'm a sheep, I'm gonna rocks. His he was angry and wouldn't go, and his father came out and begged him. The Father God is begging somebody begging you. Come on in. This is what it's all about. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you. Slaved for you. The father must be, that's how you saw it? Never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. Careful church people when you start feeling like that. I gave all this resource. I volunteered my time. I led small groups. I I did all this work and I slaved for you. And the father's like, slaved? You know the difference between somebody who sees themselves as a slave and somebody who sees himself as a son? The son gets it all. The son gets up and works early because it's his. You get up and work because it's yours. It all belongs to you. The kingdom of God, that everything in heaven belongs to you. You get up early and you work the ground because it all belongs to you in the end anyways. And you see yourself as a slave. You're a son. You're a daughter of God. You get everything in the end. 
His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. He was lost, but now he was found. And I almost feel like the father might say to some people, as we're talking about church culture, just hear this, somebody. I think the father might say to you, don't make me lose you because I found him. It wasn't either or. Church can be a little about you, but not a lot. It's not about the young and it's not about the old and it's not about what color your skin is. It's not only about you. It can be a little bit about you, but it can't be a lot. It's both and. It's creating a place where the family has multi-generations and multi-skin colors and multi-backgrounds and multi-everything and multi-economic stations and multi-social status and multi-everything. It is a place that that is the expanded family of God and don't make God lose you because he had to find the one kid at the mall. Don't be that person church people. You know, it's interesting. The only solution that I can think of for sheep is to have a shepherd. It's that or be sheep soup one day. That's all that I can think of. Every sheep needs a shepherd. It's just confusing for us because in our homes as parents, we're kind of shepherds. But you can be a shepherd some of the time, but you're a sheep all of the time. You're a sheep all the time. I spent, uh, we were at conference this week and I saw some of my friends who are my pastor friends and some of my friends who are my pastor friends and my shepherds. And my shepherds. One of them... Uh, Pastor Peter Haas' wife, I just met her for the first time, but she actually corrected me about something that I was thinking. And what, you know, the more you tell yourself a story, the more you think it's true. No, just me. Okay. So I've been telling myself something that I thought was true because I've been telling myself something and I can be trusted. And she brought a bit of correction to me. And I got in the car afterwards and Aaron was there and Scott and Renee were there. And, and I'm like, did you see her correct me? And they're like, no, she didn't. I'm like, oh yes, she did. I know when I'm being corrected. I'm like, and I'm glad because I was thinking wrong. I'm glad because I needed shepherding. I'm glad because I needed direction. I needed to follow so I'm not always watching my six o'clock so my past doesn't catch me. So I can I don't have to worry about the enemy because I'm being led in pastures that are green. I don't have to worry about it because I got a shepherd, because I got a I got a spiritual shepherd. And everybody needs spiritual shepherd. Your boss might be a, a, a shepherd for you in some regard or other. You're you're a sheep all of the time. You might be a shepherd a little bit of the time. I do you remember the five for five that we did? The five communicators communicating for five minutes. They preached it up. I was shocked how good it was. Is that a bad thing to say? I was shocked. Not shocked because I didn't believe in them. I did believe in them. I was just, it was just great. They did really well. But I had my oldest girl doing it, and she was my favorite. I just, it's okay. If you're my wife or my girls, you're my favorites. Everybody's my favorite, but you're my favorites. And did, did Arwen Cope not kill it? Did she not kill it? She, um, I was laughing with a friend of mine. We were eating lunch on Friday, and he says, oh, my goodness. She's like 17 and short, but she, like, kicked everybody's butt. What, what was, her, what was her, her line about trying to get your kids in youth? She's like, get them to youth group 
so that my dad doesn't have to counsel them as messed up adults. Woo! What gave her the authority to do that? Because in that moment, she was shepherding us, wasn't she? She was standing, speaking for God, and shepherding us. What gives her that authority is that she knows that she's always a sheep, though. Because she goes to youth, and she might be a student leader, and she actually leads the kids' small groups, and she trains up the people who lead the kids' small groups. So she shepherds, but she's always a sheep, though, too. So when she gets to youth group, she's a student leader, but there are people who are over her that thank you, student, thank you, leaders of youth who lead our student leaders, who pour your lives into our kids, who pour your lives into our teenagers. Thank you for shepherding them. Thank you, small group leaders for shepherding, team leads for shepherding your teams. And she is always under somebody and has people under her. And I realize that's the solution, is to have a shepherd seat. The solution, if you've been shepherded poorly in your past, whether spiritually or whether your junior high friends shepherded you to the wrong parties, got you into the wrong sort of thing, the solution, Canadians, to false shepherds is not setting up yourself as the next one. You cannot, one thing today, you cannot shepherd yourself. You were not created to. You cannot, under any circumstance, shepherd yourself and lead yourself properly. I mean, be disciplined and like lead yourself, but you cannot be your own shepherd. And when you understand that it is my job as a sheep to be shepherded, then God sends you, we're asking God for solutions, but God sends you people. Why? Because we need shepherds. I need shepherds in my life. I need people who correct me and guide me and lead me into the paths of God. I need people in business to help me understand how to grow church so that we can reach more people. I need people to shepherd me. Please don't think that being shepherded is beneath you. Because if it's beneath you, your destiny will be too. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, you have designed... Our destiny is in front of us, and the only way to get there is to be led and to be mentored into it. And Father, right now I pray in the name of Jesus that we would, our hearts would be soft and we would humbly respond to this and realize you have already given us shepherds. We don't even need to ask for them. You've already given it. This is what I'm feeling this morning, Venue Church. We, you have already given them to us. We just need to actually submit our lives and submit to shepherds. Father, that we would submit men, that we would submit our marriages and our families to our pastors and to our small group leaders and say, hey, if I get off track, call me out. That's what I did to my pastor. Call me out. I want my kids and my wife to be safe because we all get a bit crazy sometimes and I just don't want it to affect anybody else. So correct me. Get me back on track, pastor. Come on, get me back on track, small group leader. Get me back on track, boss. I pray, Father, that right now that we would submit to them as we submit to you, Father, and really understand that that is where our destiny lies. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.